0: Hey, what's up, everybody?
1: It's Jesse, and you are listening to Ironclad's Built for More podcast. And, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we're all about elite performance. Now, that can be someone like a CEO, a military special operator, an an endurance athlete. And today, our guest is an elite performer at a sport where, honestly, the stakes could not be higher. Her name is Amy Chimelecki, and she's a skydiver and a member of the elite Red Bull Air Force. Amy has 15 world records and five world titles through her name, and today she opens up to us about chasing big dreams, staying focused in intense situations like jumping out of an airplane, and living a life of purpose. It was so inspiring to talk to Amy. She's not only someone who is who is a star of, a, of a, just a really incredible sport, but she also has this intense drive that's led her to chase her dream of becoming a star and being a member of the Red Bull Air Force from a really young age. I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation with Amy Jimmiuccky. So uh, Amy, tell me a little bit about how you first kind of got into skydiving. That's not uh, a hobby that uh, you know a lot of people have
2: when i When I think about how I started, it's almost like it was always part of me. I don't remember much time where I wasn't dreaming of it. It started when I was really young. actually. Sometimes can't it's hard for me to connect to people not Dreaming of flying. It just seems so it's always been so most people do right. I mean, it seems like (laughs) And I was it was very young I I remember always just like dreaming of being real free in the air And it was just something I, I didn't know how I would do it or how I could do it I didn't really know much about skydiving, but just this thought was always there and then I heard about skydiving in a real disconnected way, I had heard someone was talking about two women that had gone skydiving. And I thought, what? Like, oh, I I was old enough to kind of connect. Oh, you jump out of a plane and then yeah. you're, you have this freedom. I was like, that's what I want to do. I was, I was 14 when I heard about that and I tried. I tried to go. I started, looked in the phone book. <laughs> remember, remember those? <laughs> I looked in the phone book and um, I looked for places and I called, but you have to be 18 in the U S so they said, Oh, I'll come back. And I, every year I kept trying, like maybe something changed. Yeah. And then finally, when I was 18, I went and, uh, yeah. Really tell, me, at that
1: point. T- tell me about that first experience. I mean, it's one thing I've never, I've never, you know, tried to skydive before, but you know, I have, uh, you know, uh, some friends who are in the military. I was buddies with like a PJ, uh, in the air force. I got a pararescue and, you know, they all have stories about the first time and just kind of that feeling of looking out the door of a plane. What was that like when you, cause you, you, you grew up like anticipating wanting to do it. What was it like when you finally get the chance?
2: So the, even before the actual jump or getting in the plane, I mean, I, I was pretty unorganized. I was not organized in any way I've, and nothing was ever planned. I just showed up at the skydiving facility and. I didn't have a a appointment. So I didn't even know if I was going to get in that day. I didn't realize you needed to, but I kind of didn't care. When I got to the skydiving facility, I realized that everybody was so cool. From my 18 year old self perspective, I just was so stoked to be there. And I waited all day. And then finally I got to go at the end of the day. And to be honest, the plane ride was not fun. You were like real crowded, the, the equipment was uncomfortable. And looking back, I attributed to me just being nervous. I was a yeah, bit tense. Yeah. You know, now I can relax in the plane ride. It's like very pleasant and comfortable for me. But you know, my my guts were turning. And I, the moment like we got to the door, I just remember being so stoked and really comfortable. I was super comfortable with the instructor I had. I felt really good about all that. And just I loved it. I love being in free fall and under canopy. And um, the only regret I have is I didn't get it on video. I I mm. was I didn't want to spend the money on it, but I wish I had that. You know, I think it would be a different memory if I had that. But yeah, it was it was wonderful. And, and
1: obviously, it, it progressed pretty quickly from there. I mean, you know, fast forward. You're, uh, uh, you know, you have world records, titles. And you know, you're know you a part of the Red Bull Air Force, which is really cool. Tell me a little bit about that progression and connecting with Red Bull.
2: So I mentioned before, I never really was a planner. And people would always say, like, you have to have a plan. You have to have a two-year or five-year. I, I never really got that or wanted to do it. And I always felt a bit insecure that I didn't have that. Yeah. But I just kind of was... You know, I'd get in my car. I drove out West after college. I had no money. I had maybe, maybe like 500 bucks and uh, got out here, got a job at, got to this place called Skydive, Arizona, where I still live today and got a job as a bartender there. And I worked, man, I worked behind that bar for maybe five years full time and another five years part-time. They were real cool with me. They let me come and go. Once I started getting more skydiving jobs, they yeah. were, were real cool with me. The, it's the bar and restaurant right at the drop zone. So it was super convenient for me. I'd be able to just jump, make a lot of tips, and then I'd go to sleep, wake up, do as many jumps as I could before my next shift started. And I lived right there at the skydiving facility. So I didn't have to pay rent. They had like a deal if you were an employee. And I was just set up. I was so carefree and I was just having so much fun getting to jump with all the, the best in the world where have always been at Scotty Arizona. So I was getting to jump with them every day, hang out, watch videos. I was engulfed in it. I just loved it. Still no plan. But um, and, and in those early days, I met the guys on the Red Bull Air Force. They yeah. were around and the team was developing. So I was really, really lucky in that sense. If there was like one thing that contributes to my success, I can't deny the luck. It was just like, I was often in the right place at the right time, getting to meet these people. And yeah, that was real. That's when I, it just slowly kind of became my career. There were a few times I thought, oh, I need to get a job. Like I need to do something. I'm, is this gonna, you know, eventually I'll have to get a job. Um, because I can't bartend. I don't want to bartend for the rest of my life, but it just, things happened along the way. And it became like, eventually I had a career in it more than just something I did.
1: Yeah. And now, you know, like I said, you, you hold 11 national titles and you can correct me if, if there's more to the resume that I'm missing, but 11 national titles, five world titles, 15 world records. That seems like for someone who isn't a planner and seems pretty laid back. <laughs> I, like I, your your resume, it, it seems like it seems like that's from someone who does probably have a pretty competitive drive somewhere. Even because you seem very laid back, but where does that kind of competitiveness come from?
2: Well, that was that's always been there. I think now that I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, but so I'm a little bit more relaxed about competition because I don't know, you kind of have to be as you get older, (laughs) because all the young kids start kicking your butt. (laughs) But um, growing up, I was always really competitive. And I, I saw, I used to see paths to success, like little paths. And I would just hustle and make it happen. Like, I would, I knew if I would get my picture in the magazine, it would, in one of the skydiving magazines, it would bring me attention and possibly help me pick up sponsors or more sponsors or people would want to get coaching from me and i thought okay how do i get a picture in the magazine so i would create if i had created a little event then i could have send a story along with a picture into the magazine and like things like that would kind of i was marketing myself i didn't realize it completely at the time but that's what i was doing this was before Uh, Facebook so I would be in the magazine all the time and it was My intention I was create so it's like I would create these events which would get people stoked and bring attention to what I was doing and then back it up with an article and a picture in the magazine and it just kind of like that hustle worked out for me and it wasn't like I was never I was always just having fun getting out there and eventually I started to create like, oh, I'll do a little record. So I'll organize a record. And people were stoked because then they they have something to do yeah. with more purpose when they come to the skydiving facility on a weekend. And that that hustle has kind of got me, you know, success slowly along the way.
1: It, it, it's funny because, I mean, a minute ago you were saying, well, a lot of it, or at least there's some degree of luck, but it sounds like you were kind of making your own luck, like doing, taking steps intentionally kind of get to where you want to be, it's almost it's almost like a, 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 a combination between like entrepreneurism and hustle. Has that always been kind of part of your personality, trying to kind of create the right circumstances for yourself?
2: Yeah, c- completely. When I was a kid, I used to sell... I, my father... I, you know, I have to have a talk with him about this as an adult. Oh. I've been meaning to... Cause this story has been like coming up in my mind. There's, he would come home with like garbage. Like it seems to him, it was probably garbage, but it would be like a bunch of boxes, gift boxes. And I would like make chocolate and put it in there and I would go and sell it. Or like he came home with a bunch of candles once and I like repackaged them and I'd sell them. I'd literally sell them to the kids. (laughs) I'd sell them to the kids in school. They would like pay me with their lunch money. I don't even know how they would get money. And, and they would like market them like, oh, you want it for your mom. Yeah. <laughs> get, buy your mom a candle. They would get so excited. <laughs> I used to do things like that. I don't know. I always had money. I always wanted to have a little bit of money like in yeah. my pocket. I didn't want to rely on anyone else. I always like liked to have a little bit. Um, so that kind of hustle was always there. And even, you know, I went to college and some people laugh, like, oh, you went to college and you're, you're a professional skydiver. They kind of laugh at that, like, oh, I wasted my time going to college. But there's no, there's zero chance I would be as successful as I am if I hadn't gone to college, even though, you know, I didn't use my degree for what you would normally think. It's certainly helped me structure an understanding of business and how to write and how to communicate.
1: What what was your degree in?
2: My main degree was in communications. Okay. And my, um, I almost had a second degree in art. Art was like my passion, ceramics specifically. So those are my two. Yeah, Yeah. communications. I just thought, oh, it's easy.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But I really loved it. It was yeah. It was college was difficult for me, but it's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems to have served you well. Definitely. Now, you know, I, like I said, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, you know, want tools that they feel like can kind of help in their lives and, you know, kind of glean from elite performers. And, and in addition to, you know, that kind of uh, that hustle that you have and that, you know, competitive nature that, you know, has really helped you, you know, win, uh, like be an incredibly decorated athlete. I feel like having never skydived before, I feel like focus. Would have to be something that's pretty critical, considering like if I'm you know mountain biking or something and I make a mistake, I might fall off my bike, but if you're skydiving you make a, you're really high up in the air. How did you develop that degree of focus that allows you, you know, that serves you so well in your career right now?
2: One of the things that draws me and most people to skydiving is it demands your focus so it's easy to focus in skydiving you can't think of anything else the moment you jump out of that airplane you're completely in the moment it's very similar to me when i'm when i'm on a dirt bike or something where like you have to you can't just be wandering off and skydiving i think is one of the one of the things where i feel that the most it just it demands it so it's easy and it actually makes a lot of people feel relaxed because for those moments, you're not thinking about the other things. Yeah. So it's, it's really nice. I, I think more the challenge with skydiving is, um, l- the letting go of when things don't go your way. And I don't mean accidents, uh, of course, like they could happen or little injuries, but if you don't reach your goal it, I think there needs to be a balance between fixating on a goal for me. Anyway, everyone's got to be true to themselves, but for me, I I didn't want to give up like only be focused on one goal and then any improv, which might be better. Like something might take you somewhere else. I was always open and flexible to that. And I think that's one of the contributors to my success. Do, luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> a,
1: yeah, a lot of, a lot of successful people who, who've achieved their goals. It, it, it's, it's funny that you say like, it's kind of forces you to focus because I feel like one of the things that when I talk to people who've been successful in a lot of different areas in life, it, 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 the ability to stay present, all, seems like a challenge for a lot of people that have a lot going on. Do you feel like, you know, having spent so much time in, literally in the air? But and in, in having to be focused, do you feel like it kind of helped you uh, develop that ability to always be present?
3: I would say yes.
2: Skydiving, it, like it's for some reason, when things were moving faster, I was able to understand them better, and that's always been when when I started playing sports as a child. I Up until that point, I thought I was, honestly, I thought I was dumb. I just, like, could I didn't understand what people were talking about. Things were so confusing. I had no focus. I really would just get lost. I felt lost all the time. But then once I was able to run and kind of go fast on a field, it's, it's easier for me to see things and comprehend things. I don't know what that's all about. But, um, you know, I never thought about your question like that and, and if it has, because I can focus now more easily. I could sit in the office and get work done and plan a big project. And I, I do have that ability a lot more now than when I was younger. So maybe it has been from skydiving and just also maybe getting older and being okay with not having to be doing extreme every day. I'm, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more about uh, quality these days than quantity.
1: (laughs) Now being a part of the, the Red Bull Air Force, you know, that that's obviously, you know, requires some real kind of teamwork and chemistry when, when you're working with other people. And again, the stakes are so much higher than what most people do with, you know, if they're part of a team at work or, or even, you know, rec league or something, what has, you know, kind of being a part of, of that group taught you about, Teamwork and kind of and the importance of chemistry.
2: The Redville Air Force team, it's easy to trust them because they're all so accomplished. Um, and they're all just great, great guys. And every single one of them is such characters. Uh, it's 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 so much fun when we all get together and uh, I think we all go way back to, so we've known each other for a long time. Um, And yeah, there are times when tension builds or things aren't going exactly according to plan, but we're all the type of people that can just adapt and quickly make a, a decision to pull off the stunt we're doing or finish the demonstration jump. And that's an important quality that we all have. And it's part of the reason why each of us have been selected to be on the team is because, when things get harder, we tend to get better and stay relaxed. Yeah. Um, we'll crack a joke or, you know, something just like keep the tension down and still just having fun. Um, yeah. I think we yeah. all like it so much that the harder it gets, we're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, well, and I'm sure, and again, I, I haven't, I haven't ever uh, tried skydiving. I want to, but like, I, I also know, like, it'd probably be a pretty like stressful, uh, especially your first time. I know you, it, it, it's just like an unnatural thing for a lot of people to be like, oh man, you know, that it looks incredible, but also it's scary, you know? So how do you, What what tools do you have that and you probably don't get stressed out much when you're when you're competing, or but I'm sure there's elements that that you kind of have to, uh, you know, kind of keep in check. How do you deal? What, what are your kind of keys to dealing with stress, or maybe if if something isn't going right, whether you're in the air or with the team or equipment? How do what, how do you handle stress?
2: I, that's been evolving the way that I manage stress throughout my life. I think um, getting a good night's rest as much as I wanted to deny that was important when I was younger. (laughs) It really makes a difference. Like if you can keep your serotonin levels up from nutrition and proper sleep, just those, those basic things. And that takes prior planning. um, and also like no accepting that. So maybe you don't take as many jobs because one job backs up to the next. And you won't be able to get to this city in time to get a good night's sleep for the project. You kind of have to, for me, I really have to strategize in my planning to, um, to make sure that I'm able to take care of myself. And I don't always do that great. And it's been, it's been, uh, evolving for me. Um, I feel real rested, you know, now, cause it's been such a break from so much, you know, the, yeah. the rest of the world is <laughs> right there with yeah, me. Right. Yeah. Um, but that that's one of the major things. And then I love jokes. I love jokes. Sometimes I have to be careful not to crack a joke in in an inappropriate (laughs) circumstance because, but I tell you when things get tense, if you just can like crack a joke, it helps. It alleviates the tension for everybody. Just everybody laughs and yeah. Try and like steer it in that direction because once you, you know, once you lose it, once you get past that, like, point where now you're in panic mode, this is not gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. work at all. Yeah.
1: Well, Amy, one thing we like to do is it's sort of it's sort of a lightning. I call it a lightning round, but I was doing it with somebody the other day and I asked a follow-up question and they're like, hey man, this is supposed to be a lightning round. You can't ask follow-up. So there may be some follow-up. We may unpack a couple things. But uh it's kind of standard questions that we ask the, the elite performers who come on our podcast. Uh so the first one is what's the best advice that you've ever received?
3: Um hustle hard and stay humble.
1: Hmm. That's good. And, and th- what's interesting about that is both of those, I feel like are equally important. Like once you stop hustling hard or once you kind of let the ego get, get away from itself, that's when you see like smart people start to, you know, come down a few notches. It's, it's those two things are really important. That's a really great piece of advice. Thank if yeah. Amy, if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself something, what would it be?
2: have a little more of a plan B just Hmm. like a little side hustle. That's not an egg in that basket. The Hmm. same, like cause all my eggs are in the skydiving basket, which is cool, but it would be nice to. Yeah. Just in case, you know?
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, what do you do when anxiety starts to creep in? I know you mentioned telling jokes and, you know, trying to be lighthearted, but are, are there any other kind of keys that you have?
2: breathing um that seems hmm. so lame and basic but it's the best thing yeah. it, th- that that's a i
1: you know i just interviewed uh, a guy his name's james Nestor, and he wrote a book called breath um that's all about breathing and how there you know if you if you can do the proper technique which he he, he he's an advocate for like nose breathing and slow breathing what 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 are some breathing techniques you like to employ kind of during those stressful situations
2: for me, it's more just like, hey, are you holding your breath? Okay, stop and breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no training. I have no, yeah. I mean, I have done like, you know, yoga and I've been in breathing seminars, but I just think like some, there's, I find a flow, especially if you're doing like a skydiving routine or something, there's often this like breath in the movement and uh, really that, that really helps. And it's the same thing when you're doing a demonstration jump or, or a stunt. And sometimes I like hold my breath as part of it and then breathe. I don't, but it's gotta be there because once you don't have oxygen in your brain, it's not going to be good. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I I, I, I can
1: imagine. Um, uh, Amy, what is one thing uh, that you think a person
3: should do every single day?
2: Just be nice to people. Listen, like really, truly listen.
3: That's
1: good. That's good. Especially these days with, you know, I feel like if if everyone would do more listening and less arguing, it seems like, oh, it might be a m- more civil. It might be just a better, you know, kind of experience for everyone.
2: Yeah, man. I listened to your podcast with Sasha from The Climber yeah, from Red Bull. Yeah. And she was talking about how she... She does the um, fast, a social like a digital fast in yeah. the morning. And I was like, that is a really, really good idea. I've been trying, I've been able to do it, but I think I'm going to make a commitment, at least try it for a little bit and see how it goes. It, Disconnect it, in the morning. with yeah. a nice thing to do for yourself.
1: There's, I was talking to another, another uh, person the other day and they have what they call time triage where it's like protected time where they, you know, it's, or, or or other people I talked to called their digital sunset. So like at a certain time, the vice goes off, social goes off. And Sasha was so great too, because like her emphasis on gratitude, I felt like was really like, that is something that I feel like a lot of people who have positions of influence tend to ignore because that, you know, they're always on to the next thing. But, you know, Sasha was like, I think her daily, one of her daily things was just taking inventory of things to be grateful for, which is also great advice.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Amy, what is the best way to stay disciplined in the pursuit
3: of passion? Um, I, maybe just cause we brought it up, but gratitude. Um, Hmm. and I mean,
2: yeah, I, I really feel like being, uh, being flexible is, is important. So if, I, I see some people self-destruct when things don't go the way that they want them to, and they, feel they get so defeated, and instead of just kind of rolling with it and being happy for other people's success, and just really, really grateful. You you know that that type of person that if something good ha- or I've actually been this type throughout my life in different relationships where something good would happen to someone else. And instead of feeling like stokes, I would feel defeated for myself. Yeah. What a terrible place to be. And it's it's I don't know why, where that comes from, but they're so I think there's a lot of opportunity and then the more supportive we could be with each other, the, the better it's going to be for everybody. And yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really good. Now, Amy, what would you tell a young listener who wants to make an impact in the world, but doesn't know where to get started?
3: I think that
2: now there's a, a lot of opportunity for young people that hasn't always you know, been around for me by using, using the internet. And that's kind of like, sometimes the internet is sometimes it's the worst, but other times it's really good. You know, you got to have a balance between the two. But I think if you really want to go for those dreams, as cliche as that sounds, it's, those opportunities are there and be open to them and go for it. You know, I talk about luck a lot and I'm, I feel like it's almost been like trendy and like you're, if, if you could admit that you were lucky because you were born a certain way, then, you know, you're maybe on one side of politics or you're not, but I've always like felt lucky and from 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 the very beginning, I don't know, it, but I don't want. But if you're unlucky, it doesn't mean like I don't want that to be an excuse for people, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, oh, I'm just unlucky. That's not really the case. Maybe you maybe you hear something by chance, and that could change your perspective. Um, but if you just get out there, be nice, listen to people, and, and keep trying, especially if you got something to say. You know, people, people will listen.
3: Yeah. Now, what
1: would you say to someone who, you know, they're, they're on their way, they know what their goals are, you know, whether it's, it's achieving something athletically or, you know, in in a business idea, but they come across an obstacle that, that seems insurmountable. You know, you're someone who's accomplished a tremendous amount in your career. What would your advice be to someone who's
2: facing an obstacle that seems like it's in their way? So, as I dole out advice, the first thing is everyone needs to be true to themselves. And you might not know what that means when you're younger. I don't think everyone does. That statement itself can be confusing, right? Just be true to yourself. You're like, I don't even know what that means. That's the way, that was like my 20s, my whole 20s, right? But then it just keeping an eye on that goal, but being okay with if you decide you want to change it, and just kind of roll with it. Yeah.
1: And, and this is, this is our, our one that we, we ask, we ask every guest and we get wildly different answers every time, mm-hmm. but it's, if you could, it's, to someone listening this, if you could issue them a one week challenge, and so it could be something to do, you know, one thing for a whole week, it could be something different every day of that week, but a one week challenge to a listener, what, what would it be? Hmm.
2: So I feel like it would be, some like something might not be a challenge at all to one person that it might be a huge challenge to someone else. So I think, um, someone, you know, you would kind of want to create what, what, what would be a challenge to you? What, what do you need to maybe face? I know, um, if it was something like, I don't know, getting healthy, I think maybe this is like, I'm talking to myself, I've been wanting to, I've done fast throughout my life, like yeah. juice fast and I'm ready to do another one. So like, that's just, I don't know. That's a challenge. That's, that's what I need for myself. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it would be like one week long, um, maybe, maybe a little bit more, but just like a nice cleanse, but I don't know. It's gotta be whatever challenge is. maybe it's, if it's saving money, just kind of changing your habit or. If it's weight loss, getting into an exercise routine,
1: but yeah, no, that's log. good no that that's How good, good though there. no, that's good I think I think you know having people kind of apply it individually is is important. Amy, what what's next for you? I know we're I know a lot of stuff is sort of uh, uh, you know in kind of a holding pattern with with quarantine and and, and the pandemic, but do you have uh what, what do you have kind of coming down the pipeline?
2: So this year I had formed a team called Highlight Pro Skydiving Team, and it's an all-girls demonstration jump team. There's uh, 12 of us on the team, and it's some of the best female skydivers in the United States all together on a team. And we have been doing demonstration jumps we, this month. Well, in August, we've been doing demonstration jumps celebrating the 100-year anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Where women got the right to vote. But yeah, we did lots of epic jumps. We jumped into New York city about three weeks ago and landed, um, next to Katie, Elizabeth, Katie Stanton's grave. And kind of like there were, um, other original suffragists buried there. It's been, it's been really cool. And we're building, um, the demonstration jumps for next year. So that's going to be one of my main focuses Um, We're hoping to connect more with women's sports and jumping into women's sporting events. This is kind of like our strategy for the upcoming year. So we're slowly building those connections. And um, yeah, we have wonderful backing from the Women's Skydiving Network. It's a nonprofit and they're uh, like fully supporting us. So it's, it's a great opportunity. And then we also, this other project I'm doing is called Project 19. It is a world record, a 100-way celebrating the 100-year anniversary of the 19th Amendment. It was supposed to be this, we were supposed to do it this July, but we quickly rescheduled it to this October and then rescheduled it again to next October because it involves 100 women from around the world needing to be able to train and travel and um, really be ready, you know. So when the world got put on pause, we're just kind of like waiting to see for that opportunity when we can get everybody trained up again and traveling. So now I think we're going to do 101 way to celebrate the 101 year anniversary of the 19th amendment. And more than likely that'll be in October, 2021 in Arizona. So stoked for that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Where can people learn more and kind of follow updates and, and, and see you jump.
2: So the couple of the, social media pages. You could go to the Red Bull Air Force, um, Facebook page or Instagram page, Highlight Pro Skydiving Team. Their Highlight Skydiving is the Facebook page and the Instagram page. And then Project 19 is the same thing. Um, Project 19 on Highlight on Facebook or on Instagram. And then I do have a website for the business that I run and a lot of like the projects I do kind of go through that business it's called broken so yeah Very or cool. my my personal um facebook and instagram is just my name amy Shemalecki, which is spelt really weird but
1: <laughs> it's pretty phonetic yeah I, yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: well amy i I definitely encourage people to check it out and i and and project 19 sounds incredible and it sounds like you're doing a lot of awesome stuff i really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to uh let us kind of pick your brain and 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 you know get your insights it's really encouraging stuff
2: thank you jesse thanks to uh, your whole team and good luck with everything
4: whoa what a podcast
0: yeah, Amy's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, she uh has really uh, accomplished some incredible things. So, uh after listening to that, we've really broken it down to four key takeaways and and I think that that's really important that we 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 simplify some of these takeaways from Amy's great story. So, w- one of the first ones that I had was um you know, make your own luck, right? Successful people make their own luck. We see that a lot. Yeah. I think that people don't wait for things to happen, just like Amy. You know, uh, you can't wait for things to happen. You have to uh, pursue them and make them happen. And uh, we see this time and time again with people that we know, people that we interview, uh, people within our, our circle that they meet opportunity and they conquer it and and that is a a big thing that is a pattern with most successful people anyway from the outside looking in well what lucky person i think we all have luck i think we all have the opportunity to jump on something um but they're prepared yeah and uh
0: amy was prepared and she she made opportunities and made luck agreed man and i think sometimes like being in the right place at the right time is about putting yourself in the right place at the right time because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy with luck that way
4: Cool. So number two, what was number two for you?
0: I think uh, my number two was uh, when she talked about setting goals. And this is just to summarize what she said, but setting goals um, is so critical. But don't be so married to your goals that you're closed off to the opportunities that come along, uh, that may come along on your path to your goal, right? So seizing seizing another opportunity that may have come in, in front of her might have ultimately ended up leading her to her Red Bull team today.
4: Yeah. And, and we, we say this to creatives all the time when, when young creatives call us and, and, and ask us questions, ask us to help. Um, you know, one of the big things is is like, don't be too much of an artist to get in your way of Mm -hmm. great opportunity. Uh, A really quick example of that is, you know, when we first started, we had big goals, big picture, big vision, and it would be very easy to say, no, I'm not going to do these little things. No, I'm not going to do these things. One was a hospital chain videos. We used to do hospital chain Mm -hmm. videos. Um, but we did them with purpose. The purpose was to refine how we shoot, to think on our feet, to to get more streamlined, to earn money to buy the gear, Mm -hmm. to get to the next level. Uh, If we were so much of an artist, like, no, no, I can't focus on that, I need to focus Mm -hmm. on my vision, we wouldn't have had sustainable business to get us to another level. So don't be too much of an artist to get in your own way, you know, set big goals, but don't be afraid to shift to take opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that was a great well one. Said. So um, number three for me is um, she talked about conventional uh, versus high stakes learning. And, and, you know, you might be in a situation where uh, you feel bored. You see this all the time with kids that, that are super smart in school. Mm-hmm. They don't excel, right? And they don't excel in school. They're, they actually decline. And she had talked about, you know, she thought she might be dumb mm-hmm. because of these things. And then when she's in a high-stakes environment, she excels. Yeah. So uh, conventional doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's also not necessarily the only way. Right. And and we live in a in a society that is pretty conventional. So if you feel bored, if you feel like you're not retaining, if you feel like you're not learning, Get out there, test the waters, crank up the stakes and yep. see what you can do. Because in her instance, and a lot of people we know's instances, the higher the stakes, the
0: tighter she gets. Yeah. And uh, that was a huge takeaway. Yeah, that was well said, because I think so many of us avoid stress. But I think what Amy illustrated is so true that higher stress environments can actually put you on your toes and make you retain information or make you focus in so that the other elements of life are, are kind of pushed out of your head almost by as a byproduct, which is really, really cool. And we do that almost every week here, where we put ourselves into that high high high-performance mode where it's like, hey, look, the stakes are high. We need to know that. And it puts our stress meter at a productive level.
4: Yeah, and one thing to take away on that is as you start testing the waters with that, make sure that you don't get stuck in -hmm. this. You can get so addicted to... I'm operating at, at red line levels the whole time that you will create there's stress in your own life. Yeah, there's uh, a good balance. And you want to make sure that you're able to turn that off and and, and have uh, you know time to recoup and, and time to rest and recover. And you also want that for your family. You want that for mm-hmm. your relationships. So um, finding that balance for any high performer is very tough. And you will make some mistakes and just be prepared for that. But that's mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so fourth takeaway.
0: Yeah, I think this was a cool one because it, it's proven to be consistent. When we talk to the, like any high performer, whether it's an athlete or a business person or a writer, everyone has almost everyone has consistently cited gratitude as one of their key ingredients to success long term. And I think that's really cool. As as we've talked about it, even with our work with Brian Kane, that journaling and you've talked about the, that this even this morning, journaling and tracking the things that you're grateful for create a spirit of Okay, this is things are going well. I feel good about life. It creates a positive, um, positive mindset, and then you begin to attract more positivity.
4: Yeah, and it it, and it sounds frou frou or hippie Mm -hmm. or or mystical, but I think it's becoming more and more practical and some people look at it through meditation some people call it manifestation yep. some people call it prayer and everyone does it a little differently but gratitude no matter who you are what you believe is a huge huge thing and uh, and it was something that I always thought I had I was always grateful but exercising that practice mm-hmm. and what Brian Kane gave gave me as an idea was basically a journal every morning the top thing the first thing you do is write the top 3 things you're grateful for then you write the top three things you want to win, top three wins today. Mm-hmm. Like, what do those mean? Then you put the most important thing. And then in my case, I put my prayer for the day. Yep. In some people's case, they might put what they want to focus on or anything else. But um, And then I put uh, my one word focus for the day. Today, it was love because I'm, I'm about to leave. I want to be there with the kids. Yep. I want to be able to show them those yep. things. And then finally, I track my... Uh, sleep hours and my um and my body weight and just do that every day mm-hmm. every it takes three minutes mm-hmm. and now my now my daughter does it with me but the gratitude is at the top
0: mm-hmm.
4: and I never did that before I never practiced gratitude I did it but not structured mm-hmm. you gotta force yourself just like yeah. any of these other things to really really think about it. dude driving in here and I don't want to rabbit trail too much but driving in here I'm like Season change. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the season change. You know, you look at uh, blue skies. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, cool! I'm driving this cool old truck. You know, like like little things that you don't think mm-hmm. about. Yeah, little things. Even when it's rainy and it's messy, it's like man. It's the because cleansing you're creating rain. a pattern of, yeah. of,
0: of gratitude, and then you're going to start thinking about things that you never, you've never even that haven't popped into your head before. Yeah, and now over. For
4: shatter the things that you're not yeah that
0: you're bummed out about yeah. so you mentioned doing it with your daughter and that's so critical if your kids are old enough to understand this with an entitlement society or with a spirit of entitlement prevalent in society it's critical that the kids get this early yeah. and and it makes a change I mean my older kids are doing it because they can understand it uh, and it's making a change in them
4: and it's and what I think is really cool with them is you'll see them saying the things that you said a week mm-hmm. ago or anything so yeah. they they just shows you how much they absorb yeah. so you got to be careful it's true um anyway amy was awesome awesome interview we're so excited for her career and to see what she does in the future uh what a trailblazer mm-hmm. uh thanks so much make sure you download our podcast make sure you go follow us on instagram at this is ironclad subscribe on youtube at this is ironclad like subscribe comment see you soon